Welcome, dear friends, to the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast hosted by three gentlemen for whom the very wheel itself bends around. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Bill, Rob, and Rich. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is the Taviren, a Wheel of Time podcast. I am your humble host, Robert. I was going to hope to have Rich here with you. Uh, literally just got off Google Hangouts with him about 30 seconds ago. We are having some technical difficulties. And although I was able to get Rich up at the god-awful early hour in the morning uh, in order to accommodate me, thank you, Rich, for, for being there for me. But we could not get the proper connections. Our communication software wasn't working for us, so some technical difficulties. I do apologize. So I'm going to run this pod solo again today so we don't don't miss a week. So welcome back. We are going to be going over Chapter 35, simply titled, Camelin. The boys have finally, finally, after all these chapters and all these adventures and all these just run-ins with all sorts of just evil people, they finally make it to Camelin, where they just kept telling themselves, as soon as we make it to Camelin, we'll be fine some way, somehow. This is the time where we normally go over any iTunes reviews. Currently, we don't have any new iTunes reviews, but we have a couple good positive comments on YouTube. So, you know, we had a little bit of flurry on the YouTube action. So thank you very much for the kind words and support from YouTube. As always, please rate and review our podcast. It does nothing but help us give you guys the best quality uh, content we can probably provide we can possibly provide rating reviewing the stars it all helps with exposure helps whatever however whatever we can do to make this just a better podcast for for everybody involved we're all about it feel free to just give us your thoughts like i always say positive negative neutral we'll we'll accept it all wheel of time news the second wednesday of the month, which is obviously the first one after the the big news drop, is mostly left for speculation by by the community. So the speculation this time, there's one big speculation that since in December we had four supporting casts, uh, four supporting male characters cast or announced, uh, that of course being Logan and Tom and Loyal and Pat and Fane. Uh, the speculation is come January Wheel of Time news, we're going to get uh, four female supporting characters cast, those being Min, Elaine, Morgase, and Elida. If that's the case, I am very anxious and eager to see who picks up these roles, varying degrees of acting chops needed for these four characters, Min in particular, because I can't wait to see how the Min the early on Min slash Rand uh, uh, banter starts up because I love that part in the books and I hope that they find the right the right Min for Rand. So as mentioned, we are finally to Camelin. This is chapter 35, Camelin. First thing I have here says, as expected, Matt and Rand are totally awestruck by the size of Camelin. The random collection of buildings outside the city walls are big enough to be villages themselves. Think back to when the boys first got to Berylon and they're all wonder how big the city is, and Tom is just sitting there going, city, you, you country bumpkins, you have no clue. So they get to Camelin, and it's just stop mid-sentence as they see the city rise in the, in, in, the, in the distance, and the comments of 
there's no rhyme or reason just building this is popping out everywhere left right high low all kinds of different sizes and the sprawling nature of the buildings around the city proper and we'll get to that in a second but those little spatterings of buildings that are even outside of Camelon would be big enough to be large villages in Rand's eyes. Camelon is surrounded by city walls 50 feet high. The wall surrounds the entire city. This is obviously probably the first time that Matt or Rand has seen a wall encapsulated in stone. Obviously, there's reasons for that. Camelon would be a you know high to high profile city to be sieged, so obviously the walls are needed. But the boys don't think in those regards. Two Rivers and Emmons Field. Emmons Field, well, why do you need a wall for? You just come and go. If you want to come visit, come visit. If you want to go, you go. Well, what do you need a wall for? That makes no sense to me. And we knew that we knew that this was coming, how the boys would just be crazy, not prepared for Camelin. I think I think I mentioned before that if Barrelon would be comparable to maybe like a Topeka, Kansas, a, a good sized city, but not a great city. Camelin is up there with New York, L.A., Boston, Philly, Chicago. Great cities. London, I guess, Bill. London. First time in a major city. And it's funny because you don't realize this. If, if, you come from, if you come from a big city, this is the most silliest thing you ever heard of. And if you've never been to a big city and go for your first time, it seems perfectly obvious. But the boys cannot handle all of the noise and hustle and bustle and literally literally have to put their hands to their ears as they're entering the city because it's just it's just too damn loud too loud so you got two young boys walking through the city with their hands over their ears yeah they don't look like tourists at all <laughs> i'm just picturing that if that also gets into the tv series that's going to be hilarious i don't live in a big city but i live by big cities i'm used to the hustle and bustle and it's hard for me to, to imagine someone who's never, ever been to a big city like Matt and Rand and just seeing people walking, two boys walking through the streets with the hands over their ears, just complaining about the noise is, is actually kind of funny to me. As we learned in the last chapter, Camelin has been a hot spot for tourism with regards to the news of the false dragon making his way here. Even for a big city, this place is literally just bursting with people. Everybody wants to get their glimpse at the false dragon and see what that's all about. For some of these people, that's a once-in-a-lifetime event, and they don't want to miss it. Even for a big town, it is jam-packed. One, one, one could say this is maybe like Times Square at New Year's. Maybe not that densely populated yet. Maybe once the actual displaying of the false dragon happens, it's that kind of vibe. Maybe like a, a good quality concert, that kind of crowd, potentially. They're still in Master Bunt's uh, cart as they enter into the city proper. So they go about two, two or three, I guess, blocks into the city. They get their first glimpse of the inner city. Uh, Master Bunt gives them a little more backstory about Camelin, the city proper, and that you have the great, correct me if I'm wrong, please correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm reading this wrong. You have the Great Wall that surrounds the outside city proper. There's a secondary wall that separates what's called the inner city, maybe considered Old Camelin or, or High Rent District, if you say. And then there's a third tertiary wall inside of that where the royal palace and the castle and, and Queen Morghese, the light, Alumher, resides. 
but also gives Rand some friendly advice before dropping him off. He, he comments that that Heron Mark sword, he may have stolen, he may not have. That's not his, that's not his problem. But he recommends that Rand keep it covered. That's, that's attention that he, he probably does not want when he gets into the city. And as we find out, people comment on or remark and see the Heron Mark sword, certain presumptions about the person holding that sword or wielding that sword are made. A sword master, he could be a badass, he could be someone looking to make trouble. Having the heron marked blade, we understand the need to have it with with him. That's his that's his one and only link to Tan at the moment. It is definitely an attention grabber, and the one thing these boys definitely do not need is attention. So once they made their goodbyes with Alman Bunt and he makes his way deep into the city, disappears into the crowd, the boys have to figure out what their next move is. The boys are getting used to this to the noise. They don't have their hands over their ears anymore, but the hustle and bustle is just way too much. Brand even tried to tap into the roid, and it escapes him. He can't do it. It's just too much going on that he can't even reach into the void, into Tam's void. So now that they've made it to Cayman, they know that the ultimate goal is to get to Tarvalon. He even he even thinks that if Moraine doesn't show up. Maybe they can make it to the palace. Maybe they can get an audience with, with Elida, the, the Queen's Aes Sedai counselor or advisor, and maybe she can help out. I mean, the Aes Sedai want to get him to Tarvalon, right? So how different can Elida be from Ma Rain, right? I got here, I'm sure she would be thrilled to meet Randall Thor. And we'll find out in a couple chapters. I'll get a little bit of backstory about Elida as well. It's kind of funny to think how Rand thought of Elida Sedai in these first chapters compared to say how he would think about Elida maybe a few maybe like seven or eight books from now that's down the road obviously but we're trying to think about what our next move is as the boys start to figure out their next move Matt starts to slip into a little bit of despair we know that Matt early on in the book was a happy-go-lucky trickster joyful playful kind of character Ever since the events at Shadar Logoth, his mood has shifted and he's more sullen, more untrusting, and easily falling into despair and very moody. I guess moody is a good word. And here's another one of those scenes where his moodiness and despair kind of creep up, pressing on with Rand with the promise that once we get to Camelin, everything will be fine. And he's saying, well, we're in Camelin, everything's not fine. Now let's get to Tarvalon and everything's fine. It seems to be just a, a journey that has no end. A journey in which he is really not liking the prospects of what's happening. He kind of loses it a little bit here. And he blurts out that nothing in this city will stop a fade. People are zooming in left and right all around him. The bustle and bustle of big cities. And he just drops the F word like that. Rand has to shake him in and he'll snap out of it. He'll, he'll, what's the matter with you? Don't be talking like that. Snap out of it. Finally, Matt, you know, he gets Matt to calm down. I mean, as, as moody and, and pissy and untrusting as Matt is, Rand seems to be his, his anchor, and Rand seems to be able to get him at least back to level, back to even keel, back to, back to zero with his words to his emotions. And this is another one of those scenes where, where Rand steps in and, and has to kind of give Matt a little bit of tough love, and he's like, this is where we are. This is what we have to do. We have to keep going forward ever moving forward. Matt apologizes for, for dropping the F-bomb. That's when 
they realize that's about the time that they realize or, or they remember Tom's final words of get to the Queen's blessing in Caitlin. So after asking directions for what seems like forever from several different people as he's trying to make their way through the city to find this one bar, they make they make it to the Queen's blessing. Rand has an epiphany. With so many young men currently in town, Matt and Rand can hide plain sight. The one thing with, with this false dragon drama is it has drawn out all of the young men wanting to be adventurers, wanting to see the world and make it to Camelon to see to see this display of, of, of Logan Ablar and Queen Margate Morgays, the Light Loomer. They can hide in plain sight. When they go to these little podunk towns like Carriesford, they stand out. What dark friends know is they're looking for boys of a certain age. If this whole city is filled to the brim with boys of this same age, they can hide in plain sight and not have to worry about dark friends coming at them from all angles because there's just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of boys of that age. So it wouldn't be, they wouldn't, but they wouldn't stand out as much. So Rand believes that they're fine. They can hide in plain sight. As they're making their way through town, Rand is trying to hide the Heron Mark sword, but he's having trouble with it being just bulky and what's he hiding and what's this all about. And he notices that throughout the city, everybody has red and white cords wrapped around their swords for the colors of Camelin. And he finds this to be a perfect opportunity. He buys some of that cord used in, against Matt's better judgment because they don't have that much money to begin with. And he is able to buy some cord and use that to cover up the heron mark on his blade. So now he can proudly wear Tam's sword without having to hide the heron mark blade. This is a big deal for, for Rand because he was not happy with the idea of hiding his father's sword. This is a good way that he can keep it out, keep the heron marks out of plain sight, and still be able to proudly have his father's sword by his side. Matt pleads with Rand just one more time that we can just run away. We can just bolt, go as far away as we can, and just get away from it all. We can go to Ilian. We can go to Tyr. We can watch the Great Hunt for the Horn. Rand gives them a hard no. Once again, Two Rivers folk are stubborn. Rand is considered more stubborn than most. He has dug in. He's destined to get on his way, get back with Rain, and get to Tarvalon. So after all of this, they finally, finally make it to the Queen's Blessing. Rand is just absolutely grateful to see that the innkeeper is a big guy. We know the skinny innkeepers, you gotta watch out for those guys. Meet Basil Gill. As soon as Rand mentions Tom's name, the jovial nature of, of Master Gill is gone and it all gets serious. You know, he's not angry. He's like, oh, where'd you hear that name? All right, you two, in the back, we gotta talk. Obviously, Tom has frequented this, this uh, watering hole before. They make their way into the back, as we can now assume, or as we now, as we now find out, Basil Gill is a friend of Tom's. Once again, theory of the rotund innkeeper stands. If he's a big guy, you can trust him. If he's a skinny guy, not so much. So the boys tell Gill that Tom is dead, and I like the way that Basil words it. I'll believe it when I see a corpse. That's the exact quote. I'll believe it when I see a corpse. Basil knows that Tom is more than what he puts on. So it's interesting to see the way that he words it. He's not sure. He does know about Tom's nephew. And he knows about the kind of run-ins that he had with the eyes to die. Turns to Rain, he's like, 
you don't <clears throat> have uh, those, uh, how can I say this, uh, same powers as Tom's nephew? And Rand was like, what? No, of course, no, 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 no. I don't, I, I can't do that stuff. After that, Basil seems okay discussing Aes Sedai and Shireling. So, as they've been warned in some of the smaller towns, Stay clear of Aes Sedai talk, stay clear of channeling, stay clear of anything Trolloc, Fade, Dark related. Don't, don't talk about that in public places. After a few minutes of talking with Basil Gill, they find out that things might be a little different in Caitlin, and he is actually okay discussing those kind of uncomfortable uh, topics. Especially when he at almost point blank asks Rand if he can channel. The boys give kind of a backstory, a little bit of backstory of where they've been, but they've, they've avoided some of the heavier, deeper topics. They, they, they avoided Shadar Logoth. They avoided jumping onto the spray and, they're, and, they're, and, and being chased by Trollocs and, and, and Kevins and all that. Basil also gives the boys a little backstory about Tom Marilyn. He was a world-famous bard in the court of Camelin, Known all around the world for his master level storytelling and entertaining and, and all other sort of bardic arts. He also got into <clears throat> uh, trouble with the queen, let's just word it. You know, I can almost picture Rand like, well, what's that mean? Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, I get it now. We get a little backstory, we get comforting from as the reader i got comfort from basil gill he is a character he's a great character and he's someone that very quickly through rand and his and his theory of the rotund innkeeper i knew immediately was someone that they could trust the combination of rand's you know innkeeper theory uh this first scene with basil and the fact that tom kind of backed him tom's final request camelin queen's blessing mention my name go I think the boys have a little bit of safe haven here at the Queen's Blessing. So as the chapter ends, we know that the boys are tired. We know that the boys are starving. They just kind of stumbled onto this guy's front door. But he's like, yep, no problem. We got a room for you. We'll get you some fed. And we will figure out what we do next. And that is where this chapter ends. I'm going to sound like a broken record. I'm talking about a Wheel of Time. And I'm doing a Wheel of Time podcast. And I'm going to review the chapter and tell you that this is a good chapter as well so yeah broken record all those chapters of just chase 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 despair 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 and now they finally got into a safe haven what appears to be a safe haven they can breathe it's all good this is a good chapter um the next couple chapters we get some quick hits get some quick hits meeting some new characters but the boys can take a breath and and rest and refuel They've made it to Camelin. And from there, we're going to go into readings with Rob. I decided this time to take one of the passages where Matt and Rand were discussing their next steps once making it to the city. And now, the Taviren present to you readings with Rob. Chapter 35, Camelin. What do we do now? Matt demanded. He licked his lips, staring wide-eyed at all the people pushing by and the buildings towering as much as six stories above the street. We're in Camelin, but what do we do? He had uncovered his ears, but his hands twitched as if they wanted to put them back. A hum lay on the city, the low, steady drone of hundreds of shops working, thousands of people talking. 
To Rand, it was like being inside a giant beehive, constantly buzzing. Even if they are here, Rand, how will we find them in all of this? Moraine will find us, Rand said slowly. The immensity of the city was a weight on his shoulders. He wanted to get away, to hide from all the people and noise. The void eluded him despite Tam's teachings. His eyes drew the city into it. He concentrated instead on what was right around him, ignoring everything that lay beyond. Just looking at that one street, it almost seemed like Berlon. Berlon, the last place they had all thought they were safe. Nobody's safe anymore. Maybe they are all dead. What do you do then? They're alive. Egwene's alive, he said fiercely. Several passers-by looked at him oddly. Maybe, Matt said. Maybe. What if Moraine doesn't find us? What if nobody does but the... the... He shuddered, unable to say it. We'll think about that when it happens, he told Matt firmly, if it happens. The worst meant seeking out Elida, the Aes Sedai in the palace. He would go on to Tarvalan first. He did not know if Matt remembered what Tom had said about the Red Aja and the Black, but he surely did. His stomach twitched again. Tom said to find an inn called the Queen's Blessing. We'll go there first. How? We can't afford one meal between the two of us. At least it's a place to start. Tom thought we could find help there. I can't, Rand. They're, they're everywhere. Matt dropped his eyes to the paving stones and seemed to shrink in on himself, trying to pull away from the people that were all around them. Wherever we go, they're right behind us. Or they're waiting for us. They'll be at the Queen's Blessing, too. I can't. I... Nothing's going to stop a fade. Rand grabbed Matt's collar in a fist that he was trying hard to keep from trembling. He needed Matt. Maybe the others were alive. Light, please. But right then and there, it was just Matt and him. The thought of going on alone. He swallowed hard, tasting bile. He looked around quickly. No one seemed to have heard Matt mention the fade. The crowd pressed past, lost in its own words. He put his face close to Matt's. We've made it this far, haven't we? He asked in a hoarse whisper. They haven't caught us yet. We can make it all the way if we just don't quit. I won't just quit and wait for them like sheep to a slaughter. I won't. Well, are you going to stand here till you starve to death? Or are they going to come pick you up in a sack? He let go of Matt and turned away. His fingernails dug into his palms, but his hands still trembled. Suddenly Matt was walking alongside him, his eyes still down, and Rand let out a long breath. I'm sorry, Rand, Matt mumbled. Forget it, Rand said. That was Readings with Rob. If there's a passage in an upcoming chapter you wish to have read on the podcast, simply tweet us at TavirenPod with your request. And that was Readings with Rob. Sorry to have to drop another solo pod on you guys so quick, but like I said, at the absolute witching hour, we started having technical difficulties to where 
well, I wasn't confident that if we tried to record me and Rich that we would get a quality recording of, of both of us. So at the last second, I decided to run this solo and see what we can do to try and rectify this for, for next week. Once again, thanks, guys, for, for hanging with me. Next week, let's see here, next week, we are going to have chapter... Not sure if we're doing a double up or not. We originally had planned to, but I'm not quite sure yet. We definitely will be hitting chapter 36, Web of the Pattern, where we will run into one of our more beloved characters in this entire series. As always, rate and review the podcast. Show us your love. There's nothing but help everybody involved. Contact us on Twitter at TavirenPod. You can hit up Bill separately at Matunica. Rich at Hailblue1569. Uh, hit us up at Dark Discord. Hit us up at Instagram. Hit us up at Reddit, at YouTube. Leave some comments. It's all, all gravy. With that, I'm going to sign off. I am going to sleep off this awesome dinner at the Queen's Blessing and see you guys in the morning. Take care. Bye. Now that our heroic trio have left the familiar confines of the two rivers, they find themselves being chased by all sorts of denizens of the Dark One. Our party has been scattered, and the boys separated from Marvrain and Lan. Let us hope that luck, or some other force, can keep them safe. Uh, Bill? Bill? Billiam! Put that dagger down! You have no idea where in creation that's been! No, no, Rich. I don't have an extra cloak with me. Maybe if you didn't ride your horse straight into the Aranel, you wouldn't have this problem, hmm? For crying out loud, Robert, I know that girl from Berlon said weird things to you, but you shouldn't let it get under your skin so much. What are you, Eleven? You all remind me of a younger version of myself. Why, back in Watch Hill, I would... friends, this is Troidal Power, host of the Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. And I'm inviting you to listen to Troidal Power Presents the Power Playthroughs podcast with Troidal Power, a podcast where I, your host, Troidal Power, play through games in a powerful way. You can find it and a lot of other weird shows at probablywork.com. This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com.